Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hey everybody, welcome back. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your host, Joe Liu, and today I'm joined with Pastor Lydia, who is the co-founder here at 180 Church, pastor of transformation and wife to Dr. Sammy. And currently we are in the second week of Advent. Um, And Advent is the time in which we anticipate the arrival of Christ uh, when he was born into this world. And today's topic is about peace. And I'm sure a lot of us have heard the phrase, peace be with you. But what does it really mean to have peace? Or what does it mean to know what peace is? It seems like a lot of the times, whenever we're thinking about how we can get peace, we're thinking about a vacation or an escape or something that would just alleviate or relieve us from certain circumstances or things that are troubling us. And if peace is freedom from disturbance, what does that exactly mean and what does that look like? Peace comes in the form of a person through Jesus Christ. And that holds a lot of significance and meaning for each and every one of us, more so than than what might appear to the eye. And so uh, Dr. Samuel goes into great detail about what peace means and what it looks like for each and every one of us and why it really matters to this Christmas narrative. So, without further ado, here's Dr. Sammy. Today's text is from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. That is the word of the Lord. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Yeah, so like, uh, I think um, it's about two months ago, my wife and I finally put this picture up here, uh, went, on, went out in town, Rockefeller Center, we booked our reservations, and we're 
I think we're eating lobster and seafood without the kids. We're in the car taking selfies. We were 21 again. And, you know, we're just smiling and we're talking about peace, the layer of peace. I mean, wow. We haven't felt that kind of peace in the longest time. Taking selfies, talking about old stories, eating lobster, and you know, enjoying the beautiful night out together without constant interruption and bombardment of needs. Amen, right? Will you pray for us for, for this? Uh, but of course, that peace is disturbed with a phone call. From who? No, it's not national security concerns. It's not news. Our oldest son calls us in a panic. And of course, he calls his mom. Mom, you might need to come home. I'm like, great. What happened? Our dog's name is Brownie. I don't know why, but Brownie's peeing all over the carpet. And I don't know what to do. And as she was talking on the phone, I said, just clean it up. <laughs> no, I'm not touching that. And I heard it over the phone. You need to clean it up. No, 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 no. Peace disturbed. This is a prophetic picture of the, the frailty and the elusive nature of peace in our lives. This is the story most of us find ourselves in. Tell someone, this is the story you find yourself in. Right? This is the story we, our culture finds ourselves in. In a moment, your peace is gone. You wake up in the morning, the first thing you read, and there's an impeachment inquiry. There's Brexit. There's the fate of NATO. There's new UN. What is going on? That's why it's so very important to understand the event is the event, the arrival of Jesus Christ, why we need Jesus then and there 2,000 years ago, and why the, in the Christian tradition, why we long for the return of what the Bible calls the King of Kings. Because peace by nature is elusive. Peace by nature is transitory and transient. At best, it's short-lived. At worst, it's far in between. And you rarely get to experience it. And, and a lot of times what we think is, well, we need to get away from things, from people and civilization. And then you're far away in the islands. Then I'll get some peace. For the Christians, this is what I want to say. If you're a believer today in the, in the Christmas season, in the Advent season, and you're experiencing anxiety, which most people in the planet are, peace is not a state or something you can attain peace, according to this scripture, according to the motif of the New Testament, is a person. Tell someone, peace is a person. Yeah, because Webster Dictionary defines peace as freedom from what? Disturbance. 
How many people are free from disturbance? I'm not. Ever. I am perpetually disturbed by something or someone, especially my kids. I'm, not gonna, I'm trying to kick them out of the house. And my wife is like, we're, we walk every night at the dog and we're like, you know, won't you be sad when we're empty nesters? I'm like, no. I will not be sad because I'll get some peace. Oh, you're going to be sad. You're just being tough. I'm like, no, I'm serious. I could FaceTime them. I can talk to them. I can meet up with them. You know, we're good. Maybe they should go to Europe for college. I mean, but freedom from disturbance. That's the definition of peace. Therefore, it's something no one can attain in the environment in which we live, especially if you're, as, as Woody Allen said, right? New York is like everywhere else. It's more so. Especially if there's more people, more things going on, more opportunities for disturbance. So what you feel inside is just a reality of what's going on in the external environment. Then the economy is frail. All sorts of things. That's, the, that's what we see in this passage in King Herod over Bethlehem in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. I, th I think that's why it's very important to be able to differentiate between the world's peace and God's peace and which one you want in your life. Because one is elusive, the other is permanent. And a lot of times I think we're running our lives like chicken, like a, you know, without a head because we forget that peace cannot be attained apart from the person. That's why Jesus came. So let's read this passage. Turn here, and um, I want you to catch the very nature and the, the very frailty of the peace that's disturbed in this passage to a person that's incredibly powerful in government. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of what? King Herod. The Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star we talked about that, the comet that came into our solar system, and I'll go more into that in the Advent season. Uh, when we saw it start, when it rose, and we have come to worship him. And the very important is verse 3. Pay attention to that. When King Herod heard this, he was what? He was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem were with him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. The irony of this portion is that an infant that was vulnerable and susceptible in a barn threatened the power of what historians, especially Josephus, not a Christian, just a just a, uh, a Jewish historian said that King Herod's nickname was King Herod the Great. And unlike our world leaders today and dictators, he didn't give himself that name. 
He actually deserved it. And, and Josephus said that King Herod the Great created a, I mean, he was under still Roman rule, but he created a sovereign state within Roman rule that matched the splendor of King David and Solomon. That's a lot to say if you're Jewish about a king, comparing them to the greatest of them all, right? That's like comparing, you know, in like basketball, like Michael Jordan, you know, and like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You said I left LeBron out of that conversation. But, so King Herod the Great had all this power. He was described as great by historians, yet a infant threatened his peace. Because the very nature of peace, world's peace, is elusive and susceptible and short-lived. Because you can't be freed from disturbance. And you see King Herod go mad, become a mad king, begin to commit genocide of everyone two years older and under. If a king who had enormous power and glory was disturbed of his peace, ask someone next to you, are you disturbed in your life? Can, any, can anyone, get yeah, of course. You don't have that kind of power. You don't have that kind of money. You don't have people that can kill people for you, right? If you do, let me know. We need to talk. I mean, how many people here frustrated at people, at the government, at the economy, at your school, at your significant other, at your spouse? Okay, I could keep going on forever, ongoing, perpetually ongoing about who disturbs your peace. This is the first generation ever in America, in the United States of America, where students have high anxiety about going to school. I mean, I had high anxiety about going to school for different reasons before the advent of social. But this is the first time ever where just in this country alone, kids, junior high school kids, high school kids, elementary kids are afraid of mortality, that they might die. We had a threat in, in our son's school this year. A kid blasted in social media that he was going to come with guns. And, and my son was like, Dad, I'm not going to school. I said, that's an excuse. You're definitely going to go live or die. He's like, really? And I had to, I had to catch myself for a second. Because it sounds like an excuse. It almost sounds dystopian, doesn't it? It almost sounds surreal, like my dog ate my homework. I'm going to die if I go to school. No, nothing's going to kill you. It's, oh, wait a minute. Because the reality is, it is dystopian in nature, isn't it? Let's put this up. How many mass shootings has the U.S. experience? 2014, 269. 15, 335. 16, 382. 2017, 346. 2018, 337. 2019, 295. Oh, it went down. No, that's just like March. Now it's 410. 
and counting. Tell someone next to you, this is never going to be resolved in the States. Tell someone, this is not going to get resolved. Don't you think after 269, we're like, all right, we need to change the laws. All right, 2015, okay, after 330, we need to change the laws. Why, how come we're not changing the laws? You guys know the answer? You're like, no, or I would be president. I'd be, you know, I'd be the senator. This country was built on mutiny. This country was built on treason. Yeah, for categorical imperatives that had the pursuit of dignity and life and happiness and etc. But people are not going to give away their guns no matter what because this country on the fundamental level is suspicious of their government. And according to current history, we should be. It's the first time kids do not feel safe going to school because they can be killed. And I can't say to my son, well, well, when I was your age, that never happened. I have to agree. When he goes, Dad, this is the empirical facts. Here's 410. He's actually writing a song about it. 410. And that's just now. More shootings, mass shooting than days. That's the nature of the world peace. You can go to Walmart, you can go to school, and your life could end in a second. Is it dystopian? Is it exaggerated? Is it hyperbole? No. It's real life. It's right now. Not much has changed here and now from then and there. The genocide that King Herod committed, we kill people with guns, they kill people with swords. The nature of the world has not changed. It's constant. It's perpetual. We're disturbed from peace all the time. So, what's the difference between the world's peace and God's peace? First lesson we learn. The world's peace is always what? Frail. Teethering and elusive. The world's peace is always frail and elusive. The European Union, NATO, just 50 years after World War II, the great alliances around the globe, all tinkering at the brink. Nationalism is rising in every country. People are becoming more isolationist. People don't want unity when they're suffering in their own economy. People want to put their interests before others. And they call them now beginning immigrants. And the attack of immigrants is taking place. People's hearts change quickly. And here it is. A lot of us put our hope on the shoulders of this elusive pursuit. We put our peace in the hands of governments, of things that could be never attained. 
And that's why one-third of America, 100 million Americans are medicating themselves from anxiety, some type of drug, to, to just let them survive and function. Some people are asking the question, 100 million people are asking, am I ever going to feel normal? Why do you think counseling is the, is the biggest boom in the history of this country? Because the world's peace is frail and elusive. Are, you, are we putting our hope in things that cannot give you peace? That's the explanation for why we feel the way we feel. What are you putting your hope in today? That's why Jesus came. Tell someone next to you, that's why Jesus came. You're like, ah, that's right. That's why Jesus came. Because only the Prince of Peace, only Emmanuel, can bring peace to the human heart. Not governments, not states, not certain market-driven strategies. Because if you haven't noticed, the market itself is frail. Jobs are frail. You go, well, no, look at the Wall Street Journal. Look at, look at you know, the current administration. They're, they were just celebrating the lowest employment rate in history of this country. And, you know, some people are telling me, look, look at what, what, how great this is. I said, yeah, but just wait. One, things go, one thing goes wrong. It'll double, it'll triple. We've been doing this from year 2000 when we had evaluations of tech companies. They were, trillions, they were trillion dollar companies. And there was a bust, the oil bust and the housing bust. I mean, come on, this is, but what, is, what do people say, history what? Yeah, it repeats itself. It's temporary, that celebration. It's short-lived. The world's peace is always frail and elusive. Those are the facts. That's not my opinion. That's just historical. It's just true. All right, so let's move down. So then let's talk about the nature of God's peace. What's God's peace look like? A peace that God can give you. The peace that Christ came to represent in the Adventists, in his arrival, from the very beginning of the Incarnation. Why can we put our hope in him, the Prince of Peace? So when he called together all the, peef, all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem and in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers. Out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd what? My people Israel. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and, they, and the star had seen when it rose, went ahead of them, when it stopped over the place where their child was, when, the, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, 
They saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. And then in the end, in verse 12, it talks about a dream where it said, do not go back to Herod, and they returned to their country in a different way. So there's three things I want you to observe about this text. First thing is God's control over the star. And we'll go more in detail into the star, but first thing is God controls not only earthly affairs or even visceral human existential affairs, God controls things cosmologically, meaning he controls the universe. Why? Because he created it. That's why a star shows up. So God is in control of not just your life and human history, but he controls the intergalactic space. <laughs> Tell someone intergalactic space. Tell someone next to you that. Let's be nerdy for a second, all right? Intergalactic space. Cosmologically, he controls cosmology. So if you want to you have peace, you want to you wanna go to the person, where, the person that has clout. My son talks about cloud all the time. Well, I, I got some cloud. This person has cloud. Like, cloud. Yeah, you want to go person with the greatest influence, the greatest power, the person that can't be disturbed of their peace. That's free from disturbance. So first thing you see here is that God controls the stars, the intergalactic space of everything. That's how a comet came from the outer solar system to the inner solar system and began to shine brightly in the eastern skylight. And it says, secondly, that it was foretold, a prophecy. So before the star ever arrived, God controlled not only intergalactic space, God controlled history. There's a historical element and layer to God's power and God's control. He foretold it, the book says. That's how they knew that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. So not only does God control intergalactic space, he controls history. Or you can say it's his story. Not only that, when the Magi go see and worship, their response is worship. What's the most powerful thing? God controls even the visceral, the existential communication between people, and he sends Joseph and the Magi dreams to guide them. And that's really important about peace. Because the world's peace is elusive, it runs away from you and can never be attained, but God's peace is what? Well, let's put this up. This is what C.S. Lewis says. God cannot give us what? Happiness and peace apart from what? Himself, because it is not there, there is no such thing. Peace and God are inseparable. God is the only entity that's free from disturbance. He cannot give you peace apart from himself. And therefore, the incarnation is peace itself arriving. The only hope of it being accessible and not even susceptible to any disturbance. And that's why God gives us peace in the incarnation in Christ. In a person. 
who can guide, who can touch, who can speak, who can direct, and who can guide. So what's God's peace like? This is the second lesson. God's peace is a what? Always immutable, unchanging, and what? Also, this is more important than immutable, unchanging. It's what? Available. Available to you and me. Right now. The one, the only one, Emmanuel, that's free from disturbance. Very definition of peace. Is available to you and me in the incarnation, in the inventus event. Because if you really look at the lens of history, it's the baby that disturbed the world's peace and power to show the chink in its armor, to show the elusive nature of its transiency, and to show you that there's only one king, one ruler, that's free from disturbance, and that's the king of kings, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. It's available to you. So today, as we approach the birth of Jesus, we need to examine what we're putting our hope in. Whose life are we putting our life into? Whose hands are we putting our Ours? The government? The market? Because that's frail and short-lived. But Christ, the Lord, who was born in Bethlehem, is the Prince of Peace and the King of Kings. He can give you the peace you need. He's the only one that can. Today, I pray that we would put our life into God's hands and remember who he is. Amen? Let's stand and pray together. Will you lift your hands to the Lord today in sign of surrender? The coming of Christ shows how frail the nature of peace, the world's peace is. You know, depression looms globally as we look into mental health crisis around the United States and around the globe. Because so many people are disappointed. So many people are disappointed in their government, the relationships they have, and the world they live in. And it's almost like we're always looking to a savior. But he's already come 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. For those of us who know, I pray that today you, you come back and you go, God, I pray you would guide my life. You would take leadership over my life today again. 
so I can get the peace that only you have. And for those of you who don't know Christ, that's the good news of the gospel. That's the euangelion. That's what we're telling you, that Jesus came to bring peace. And the Bible says one day that peace will enter every space, not just existential, not just visceral, not just historical, but even cosmologically. God will renew. Jesus will renew all things and make it new. But he's beginning in hearts on this planet first. So, Lord, we pray for this transcending peace and only you can give. So, hey, everybody, welcome back. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Uh, and today I'm here with Pastor Lydia, who is the co founder here at 180 Church, pastor of transformation, and wife to Dr. Sammy. How are you doing today, Pastor Lydia? I'm good. I have a little bit of a cold, but mm. I'm good. Are you recovering? Yeah, I'm recovering now. That's good. Um, and so I'm joined with Pastor Lydia today to talk about, uh, well, th- just to kick things off, we're, we're in the middle of the season of Advent. And uh, for those of you just tuning in or have questions about what Advent is, it's uh, the anticipation of the arrival of Jesus' coming on earth. And uh, this is a very momentous occasion for uh, us as believers and a magnitude of uh significance for this world in general and so um we observe this time and this moment in our year to really reflect and think about what uh, advent means for an individual and what it means to this world and for us today we're talking about some of the key important things that um christ has done by coming here on earth right it's uh jesus came um as a baby in a manger uh, just as the Bible has told for centuries and centuries um, to bring hope, peace, joy, and love. And today, we're here to talk about peace. And I think it's a really important aspect of um, our lives that we have a conversation about peace because it's often not so easy to have. You know, I think Dr. Sammy phrased it in such a way and really painted a great illustration about how easily our peace gets disturbed by just things right like whether you know i mean mean, i'm I'm sure you could speak on this more than i can but like i don't know what it's like to have kids Um, (laughs) definitely more than you can yeah so uh, (laughs) i have zero experience with that um but even for me it's just kind of like with the busyness of the holidays and uh, uh all the things that you might have to manage in your schedule or like with work or school and such like that it seems like peace is really hard to find and peace of mind or you know peace of um peace in your heart is just not the easiest thing to come across and we do whatever we can to fumble around and grasp for some peace of peace <laughs> right so you know I, I just wanted to open up the conversation and really really wanted to start talking about like why like why is it so hard to find a sense of peace in our lives. You know, I think like we're always looking for quiet moments, uh, times to get away or to escape, whether it's vacations and such like that, or like lose ourselves in video games or 
uh, whatever else we like to do to enjoy our time. But we're always looking for we're always looking forward to that time of peace. But um, do you have any thoughts about uh, the nature of the elusivity of peace in our world? Well, I think the message was uh, very clear on it, which um, it start. You know, I love how the um, Sam brought up the definition, the Webster de- definition yeah. of peace. I actually did not know, but it's kind of funny because, you know, it's well. He he said that it's a disruption um, or freedom from disruption or disturbance mm-hmm. or right. Um, and it's just funny because then it should have also said it is unattainable, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like, um, because anyone I think who reads that, I think the, um, older you get more responsibility you have. And as we're living in this environment, right. It's, I think if that's what peace is, it's basically impossible mm-hmm. to have, but people still try to find that peace. Right. Um, you know, it's possible to, I mean, it's a joke, right? That it's impossible, that piece. Because, like, you could for a moment, like, mm. you could go for a walk. You could, that piece can be found. Let's say I leave the house and go to the gym. It can be found mm. when I put my earpods on. It can be found momentarily. But that's the thing. It's, like, temporary. Yeah. So, even then, you know, peace of mind is not really attainable. But I think it's important, um, as the message um, states, as well as scripture and who Christ is, is that that peace is not what Christ is talking about mm-hmm. or what God promised to the world. He does. He 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 describes the peace as Christ Himself describes as um, that there is a peace that I will give you only I can give you. Mm. It's a peace that the world does not know about because it really comes with the knowing of the Savior of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, as cliche as that could sound, that peace is also attainable in mm. Christ. So if you're asking me the question, like, do you find that it's hard to find peace? Yes. Yes. Yeah. But is it possible to find true peace? Definitely. Mm. I guess I want to start off as that because the distinction is pretty clear mm. in scripture. I see. <clears throat> what it is and what it isn't. Right. I see. So do do we know what this peace <clears throat> kind of looks like? Because um, for me, I think like... Oftentimes, when I think about peace, it's kind of like you're content, right? Or like there, there's no the, the immediate thing that comes to mind is that there's no issues that I'm worrying about, right? So it's like immediately like dependent on my circumstances or my surroundings and um, what I have going on in my life, and that like nothing is on fire, right? Like that that's the idea of peace. And um, but if there is this godly peace, and if we think about the peace that Christ came to offer us. Would, would, would you mind expounding a little bit on what that might look like for me? For me? Yeah. Well, me? Just like oh, me. for yeah, you. For uh, me, yeah. You know, um, the worldly peace versus Christ's peace, right? Mm-hmm. Um, worldly peace. I mean, there is a period of peace when 
of、uh, when it was tumultuous because of war. Yeah. And then the war stops, and people come home, and people are now sitting around the table together,、mm-hmm. whereas before you couldn't do that. Or, you know, there is peace of something ending, but the thing about worldly peace or world peace is that. No matter how much you have control over one thing, you still can't control the environment, right?、Yeah. Like disruption, and also, so there's the exterior piece. I think、mm-hmm. of things like you know you're in you're in the train and everything is so loud and you feel like you don't have peace of mind. But when you get out of the train and you walk into Central Park, you feel all of a sudden. Oh, it's peaceful. Yeah, it's like almost like relief. Yeah, so by that contrast, you kind of understand like, oh, okay, it's a degree of difference、mm-hmm. from something chaotic to less chaotic. Yeah, yeah. But again, you can't still control、um, the peace internally.、Mm-hmm. You know, the exterior world could be very quiet, like, but internally it could be.、Um, Tumultuous, right?、Yeah. Or, you know, even melt with the whole rise of mental illness is that e- even if things are quiet in the moment or not traumatic in the moment, it's the trauma of the past that will still、um, bombard the mind in the present, yeah, right?、Mm-hmm. So, internally, there's really no button to shut it off. Yeah, you really don't. Um, most of the time, don't have control over what's being played internally in your mind.、Mm-hmm. Um, so that's piece that、um, of the world. So there, you can get it in bits and pieces and practices, and you know, do all sorts of, I guess,、um, mindfulness.、Mm-hmm. You know, you can attain it to a certain extent, but again, it's short lived, and it is. Um, something that you you can try to control to a certain extent, but、mm-hmm. I think everyone knows that it is still、um, elusive,、yeah. right? But Christ's peace, when you look at scripture, Christ's peace is talked about in in midst of persecution, in midst of.、Um, Uh, spiritual warfare, right?、Mm-hmm. Of people、uh, fearing、um, safety, or people running for、uh, living for Christ and unsure of their surrounding, like whether they would live or die in the first、yeah. century. And even then, they had peace. So it has nothing to do with the environment, but the peace that they felt in the first century and the peace that we feel now, even in the midst of The chaos internally and externally is, you know, the Bible describes it as that when we pray and we give our, you know, concerns and we give our worries to God, that literally like a fortress forms around our heart and mind in Christ Jesus、mm-hmm. to protect us. It doesn't change the circumstance around us. Yeah, but it. Ha- it, there's a guard that comes in Christ to guard our mind and heart.、Mm-hmm. Scripture talks about that. So it's in a sense it protects us from the chaos、mm-hmm. of our own minds, of the things that we're not in control of,、uh, 
of um, the demands of the day. Mm -hmm. It protects us. It strengthens us from, instead of losing our mind, it keeps us together. It keeps us still in knowing that God is in control. Mm -hmm. It keeps us um, intact, almost like... even on a, in a schedule that might not be in our control mm-hmm. and the interruptions that come in between all of that. Yeah. So it's an immovable piece because the person of Christ literally comes to guard our heart and mm-hmm. mind when we turn to him. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's pretty powerful. I mean, it's very yeah. supernatural if you think about it. Right. It's a supernatural thing. I think we try to, um, even as believers, I think we forget and we try to understand it in a very natural way, but yeah. it can be practiced practically because it is about pursuit of someone and turning to mm-hmm. someone, which is Christ. But it is a supernatural thing that happens yeah. on a daily basis. Right. I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that, uh, like that it's, uh, it's really common for us to try to make sense of things in a natural way, because even as you're sharing a little bit about the perspective of what godly peace looks like one of the immediate thoughts was like oh so is that a perspective you have to adopt right Mm -hmm. like i think oftentimes when we think about peace and um we're we're discussing like how we attain peace usually what i hear (coughs) what i hear often is that people say that peace is a state of mind right it's like the ways in which that you would approach or see circumstances or gather a perspective about something that will elicit some kind of peace inside of you um but that's not but that's not exactly what the biblical peace is right like um what we're talking about is that peace at the very core of it is a person it comes in in it came in the form of a person and it came to us as a as a as a as a model of what peace looks like right through the person of jesus christ and Maybe for some of us and myself included, it's kind of like that connection is not so easy to make, right? Like, so I guess my question is, what does, like, why do we pursue a person of peace when it comes to the Christian context or when it comes to like a biblical context? Why do we pursue a person of peace? Uh-huh. Well, because peace only comes to that person, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, you know, these are the P words that I love. I always... um love I, I i love like alliteration i love anything that's like simple to help me understand mm. but you know it's the person that brings peace because of perspective and the presence through prayer oh right so um it is more than a state of mind right mm-hmm. because it is about perspective though it's it's a supernatural peace that comes because of not just it's not just fluff but it is, it comes with perspective mm-hmm. of knowing that God is sovereign yeah. and that God is in control. So there is an aspect of um, protection of the mind and heart that be- because it becomes it becomes aware of who is in control. Mm. So God's control and His so- sovereignty over all things in the moment is magnified and um the present situation 
and the person is still in the midst of it.、Mm. So I think it's almost like、um, it's not just a feeling that comes. You know, it is really about an, an understanding that comes in Christ Jesus.、Mm-hmm. So, and that's why minds and hearts are protected,、mm-hmm. because.、Um, Yeah, does that answer your question? No, yeah, it totally yeah. does. I think it's just, it's a,、uh, it's a very full picture. Cause like, you know, it's it seems like if I if you could correct me if I'm wrong for sure, but it's it seems like you start with the person, you get that perspective, and then then comes prayer and worship, and you know then comes because because you're working from like top bottom, and I think the trap for people, and like like myself, it's like、mm. to, you work we work backwards, right? It's like we do the prayer. Or like we do the worship, and then we're like, okay, it's a perspective, <laughs> and then sometimes we miss the person, right? It's just kind of like, you sometimes we stop ourselves at a certain cap and say like, okay, I'm at peace, maybe because things are under control,、mm-hmm. or I feel a sense of relief, and then you just kind of move on, right? And then it, that is like the temporary thing, but from from the way you're describing, it seems like if when when we start with the person, that's when we can always have access to this peace.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think also like. Um, as you're describing it, I think a lot of times people、um, look for the peace and say that if I find peace, then I can find the person of Christ. Yeah. But actually, yeah. it's in the pursuit of the person that you find perspective and peace、mm. and His presence. So, yeah. Yeah, I I think that's interesting. Really interesting that you bring that because it seems like that just kind of goes to show how it's a kind of like in our nature to want to look for that. That peace and that relief from our circumstances, right? Because it's kind of like I hear it all the time, and we hear it probably quite frequently. It's like once this is settled, or once I got this, or once this happens, is when I will pursue God、mm-hmm. or like pursue Christ. But then it's kind of like it's it. It almost seems like we're always sort of in this turmoil, and then it's until that turmoil stops is when we can try and think about or try and approach. Uh, the cross, or think about Christ, but it's like, oftentimes we find that it's 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 when you reverse engineer that, and when you think about it, starting with the person, that ultimately one of the byproducts is peace. Yes.、Right? Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of believers live without peace. No.、Oh, wow. <laughs> that's that's something、He's、to think about. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, there are many Christians who don't live with peace,、mm. and it it's it has nothing to do with whether they have more on their plate or less on their plate. It's just sometimes peace is just missing. Yeah. <laughs> and joy is missing as a result. Like yeah, you know the fruits of the spirit are missing. I mean,、mm. I think if we put it that way, then it makes a lot of sense. But like,、mm-hmm. yeah, believers live without peace, and there are a lot of believers. And I'm talking about believers. I'm not even talking about seekers,、yeah. right? People who know Christ who never access peace、mm-hmm. and are full of fear and anxiety. And I'm not talking about that. I'm not opposed to, you know, healing. Anxiety as a mental, you know, health thing.、Mm-hmm. It's not that, but there's a peace beyond all of it that、um, God's peace encompasses all of those things.、Mm-hmm. But, and I'm not opposed to medication or anything like that because 
sometimes it is needed, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a chemical thing. But peace is literally missing in some believers. Mm-hmm. And I think about even um, in my earlier, in some parts of my, I think, earlier walk with God, I didn't really know peace myself. Mm-hmm. Because... It's something that really has to be practiced, I think. And and I don't mean that in like a sit down and breathe and yoga kind of way, but Mm -hmm. calling on the person of Jesus is something that needs to be practiced. Mm -hmm. Because people assume, well, I'm a Christian, so peace should be with me at all times. But that's the thing. If we had that clarity on earth, we might as well be in heaven. But it's because we live on earth, there's a lot of static. There's a lot of noise. And because of the noise, I think, you know, yeah, because of the noise, we often forget and we often are hearing is muffled to the Mm -hmm. truth of even what we truly believe and desire, you know? So... I think, yes, there is a sense, I think peace comes with um, growing in Christ, but yeah. it has to be practiced. Because you could live a lifetime not knowing and accessing the peace of Christ that's available to us mm-hmm. as believers. Yeah. That's a, I mean, I'm a little bit shocked because like, that's a very eye-opening thing to think about because I didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind that it's possible that I might have been living my life and my faith without peace or like without a sense of peace. Like I think that it's possible, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. cause like that's not something you, well, cause what I'm thinking about, it's not something that I often think about. Cause like, you know, a lot like in my head, like what I'm thinking about is kind of like, Oh, of course I know God is under control. Of course I know that my life is not in my hands. Like what happens to me, whatever God is doing in my life, like that's up to him. But, and like, we can think these things, but we can, I feel like I, I, when you brought that up, it was kind of like, oh, but I don't live like mm. I I truly believe that or I, I, I really trust that things are under control, mm. you know? So, I mean, like, that's a... Yeah, there's a gap between our belief and our, I guess, practice or how we live, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the connection that Christ wants to make in our lives, that it's not just what you believe, but I am a living God who Mm -hmm. is with you. I am the living God who walks with you. Mm -hmm. So he's the, he is the good shepherd, always teaching us and leading us to find, um, find him Mm -hmm. in the midst of this world. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think, that's that's what it is you said it we could believe it but does our life really show in our actions and our decisions Mm -hmm. you know so yeah i think that's definitely something for all of us to think about and and um i think this message actually brings that examination like really have i been living like God is not there. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I um, we we hear this a lot, right? That Christians are most of the time, many times, most of the time, um, almost, what is the word? Athe- uh, atheists mm-hmm. in praxis, praxis, even though we say we believe. Yeah. Because the practice of living as though God is alive and is... 
in in our lives, you know, I think that part is often missed when circumstances hit. Yeah. No, I could definitely see that. I mm-hmm. think, um, and this is something that I've been kind of coming across <laughs> just in just in my life in general, like whether it's schooling and such like that right now, right? Like sometimes we, th- I tend to think that I might know something until something happens that challenges that notion, right? And I guess I'm trying to draw the comparison that like, you know, I thought I might have understood a concept in a certain class, but then when I have to take an exam and really mm. suss it out, it's kind of like, oh, I, I don't really know what this mm. is about. And so like, I almost feel like I'm caught with that, even with the mm. idea of the Prince of Peace or God who brings peace, because it's kind of like, oh, I, I understand that Jesus came to this world and brought peace, joy, love. But it's almost like when my back is against the wall and, and that that thought gets challenged because of my circumstances. It's almost like I, I'm like, what is peace even? What, what, what does that even mean anymore? What does that look like? It's like we, it's like I almost lose footing in what I, what I believe or what I choose to believe because mm-hmm. of circumstances. It's just that that's just how fickle, you know, we are as human beings, or like that I am when it comes to the like who God is and who Christ is. Yeah, I I think it's interesting you said footing because I was thinking about Peter and yeah. in the midst of the storm in the water when they're in water, you know, and in the storm and Jesus tells uh, tells Peter to walk. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of like really putting to test, like, do you really trust me? Yeah. And the fact that, you know, I think Sam jokes about this a lot, but Peter will be in heaven. He'll be like, ha, I'm the one who walked on water. Remember, yeah. you know, he'll always have that. You know, he's right. very proud of the fact that he trusted the Lord in mm-hmm. that moment. I think that's 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 it. And it's such a great picture because even though we're not necessarily, it's, you know, it's not that dire, but I think that the way that circumstances hit us sometimes seem very desperate. Yeah. And in those moments, in, you know, and it's not as hard as walking on water per se, but sometimes it's the the environment that we live in or the circumstances we can't control and the fears that dictate our decisions when they're tested, how will we respond to that? Right. Mm -hmm. Is I think, um, where Christ wants to meet us as well, you know, where he wants to bridge that. Yes. I know that, you know, that I am good and that I am, um, in control, Mm -hmm. but do you believe that, I love you. Do you believe that I am in control of not not just someone else, but in your life, you know, of your mm-hmm. life? So I think I think that's that's such a great you know picture because mm-hmm. it's only when we're tested we really understand where we stand. Yeah, you know, and yeah. Mm yeah that and so i mean like obviously i'm i have this i have a propensity to want to solve the problem right like it's just like so 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 i I mean i don't always want to feel like i don't truly believe (laughs) that I, i don't truly believe that god 
um, is in my life and that God loves me. You know, like, it's it's not like that. I want to, you know, for lack of a better term, stumble, right, in terms of um, where I stand. Uh, it, it, could, could you share a little bit about what it might look like to have a relationship with this person of peace or this God of peace that you can almost rely on this as, you know, your rock, right? Like, this is just the way in which you live your life and the way in which you know that God is in control and God is is working in your life and has a plan for you and such like that, right? Because it's kind of like, for for years, I thought I, I knew this stuff. And then it's almost like because something happens, something arbitrary or just something dis- disturbs your thought or disrupts uh, your life a little bit, it's, it's almost like it's so easy to just, just try and chuck that out the window and be like, I got to, I got to retake control of this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'm, I'm asking like what in your experience and in your walk with Christ, it's like, were there practical steps or practices and behaviors or habits that you adopted so that this is, this is not just like a thing you say or a truism. It, it is, it is your life. Like this is your practice and your belief and your faith. Um, well, I think I could only describe it in terms of relationship Mm -hmm. because peace is really about Christ who is available, right? Mm -hmm. And so it is in relationship to Christ in the same way that, um, when you have a trusted friend, right, or, someone you really trust and they give you their word in the moment because they've um, pr- uh, proved that they are trustworthy. Yeah. You trust what they say. Oh, yeah. You trust them because of their character. And in that moment, whatever the conflict may be, when you trust them, and I'm talking about a trustworthy one. Mm-hmm. Not like for the sake of, all right, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. But because, and w- in that exchange of trust, there is a release of, um, I, want, I don't want to use the word peace per se, but there is a release of an understanding. Like, okay, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I do. It's It's almost like you know what to expect or like you know that whatever promise or thing that was discussed is going to be delivered or it's it's just they're, they're going to pull through like this person is going to yeah or what they say and even if it means it, it doesn't have to mean that they will pull through per se but because you trust and respect their word and their knowledge you um know that it's going to be okay, whether it works out or not, that mm-hmm. it is. There's a sense of knowing where you are able to say, okay, you know what, you're right. Mm-hmm. There's a re- sense of reassurance that comes, right? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's not, it could sound a little vague, but I think um, in... And that's why I think the relationship aspect is so important because... Um, that's kind of what happens. It's you're dressing God who is trustworthy and good and you're coming to him. So it's literally in that moment you're coming to him because he's available mm-hmm. and you, 
you acknowledge God, you are in control. I am not. So instead of like holding everything together as if we are in control, we're really relinquishing control and saying, God, I know that you are in control. Mm-hmm. So th- there is a also um in in the uh in ex- accessing peace in Christ, there is a sense of relinquishing control and the burdens mm. that are there. So yeah. there is an exchange be- that happens between you and God. Yeah. It's like an exchange of trust. Yes. And a, cl- a clarity of knowledge mm-hmm. because I think it's often um and you know like uh I think you said I think that I want to find a resolution and I want to solve this so that uh, you said something like that yeah. right Be- but that that's the thing I think we should assume that we will fall before we find peace yeah it's because we realize that we fall as in we realize we're limited in this that we turn to Christ. Oh yeah, yeah. So realizing that oh, I you know what I don't have this together. I don't I'm not feeling um adequate about this or whatever that um fear or anxiety may be or concern may be you're literally coming and admitting like god i need you Mm -hmm. and can you can you show up for me Mm -hmm. and you're trusting that he will show up in his um in his way you know Mm -hmm. so you're not um, you're not just coming and asking him to solve everything but you're literally giving back the control that you felt you had mm-hmm. that you feel that you lost you mm-hmm. know what i mean yeah so you know i think in christ's perspective it could seem almost like an illusion that we play with that when things are going well we almost feel like we have control yeah and we come to a place where we feel limited right when we hit a wall we're like okay god i'll give you the control but in Christ's perspective because he sees everything as is mm-hmm. without limitation in in like pristine clarity it could seem like an illusion right mm-hmm. but for us it's a real fight and so i think it's an exchange where you literally have to lay down the control mm. actually we never really had but the illusion of control and to come to an understanding that God, you are in control. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so I, I think, in it could only really be explained in terms of relationship. Yeah, and what what it seems like to me is is this is kind of like becomes more and more established the more and more you know Christ, right? Because like I think at face value you can kind of know someone based off their biography or like if you look up somebody on wikipedia right it's just kind of like this is like the stuff they did like if, if we're gonna look at for lack of a better term jesus's stats as in like what mm-hmm. he what he what he's done when he came mm-hmm. here it was just kind of like brought peace brought joy saved humanity right it's just kind of like we I, I guess what i'm trying to say is that we don't really understand the magnitude of what this means on a deep and personal level until that relationship is established for you to even know as the relationship grows yeah yeah the vision of christ grows right and you know 
it's I think we often say like God seems bigger now. Mm-hmm. God seems bigger now now that um I'm growing, but actually God has always been big and it's our vision that grows. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a perspective that we have to remember also. It's not that God's getting bigger and wow, God you're getting better at this. No, actually no, yeah. God's always had this. It's our vision of him that mm-hmm. grows and helps us to realize and rest in him. Yeah. And I think Dr. Sam put it in like a very uh clear clear way and just 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 really grasping just the the size and breadth of control that God has, right? Like just kind of on a cosmological scale, right? Also in terms of time, like the past, present, future, and then just kind of how like depth, right? It's just kind of like when you're when you're gonna approach this universe on all different fronts that like God has God is in control of those and that's a that's a huge I mean, that's a big expanse of yeah. control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean I I guess it it seems it seems true to me. Like it really seems true to me when you when you put it that way, it's that our vision and maybe even with that vision our understanding of peace really can deepen and grow when we know who who God is more, right? Like like Jesus came and God has always wanted to establish relationship with us so that we can know this peace, right? Like is the way I'm understanding it. Yeah. Mm. So that we can know this peace in the same way that, so that we can know his love, Yeah. you know, because God knows so well, like what we need, you know, what we lack and how we, how much, you know, you often, you know, when you meet people sometimes or like children, you can easily tell what, you know, when they are hungry, you want to feed them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you can see a need, but God sees our needs so well. He sees the need of humanity so well. And he knows the condition of this world so well that because he's so caring, he wants us to know his love, his peace, his mm-hmm. joy. Um because he's so good he wants us to know these great things Mm -hmm. so yeah it's such a simple answer but yeah he wants us to know peace right um i guess i just kind of wanted to talk a little bit or like pivot a little bit um if you don't mind me asking just kind of more personally about um like the significance of peace for you because i think it's not that peace looks different for each and every one of us right but i think maybe god speaks to us in such a way where hit like the way the connection we have with him establishes peace in a very specific way for you um because for me when i think about like how god offers me peace it's kind of like i've never took myself as neurotic or like anxious but you know clearly i could be a little bit um and (laughs) you know like i it's definitely showing a lot more i think with just how much is going on in my life um but like I've always felt like a sense of peace, knowing that things worked out and things worked out better than my stupid plans or whatever control I was trying to impose on certain situations. Right? Like I've always I fumbled the ball so many times in my life, and it's just my life has become better because of God coming through for me and really saving me from pretty critical moments, and then me experiencing a sense of peace and like a really in a really broad sense understanding who's who's really in control or 
who who who's taking care of me right like i mm. i think that's kind of like how peace often speaks to me because i could always feel so out of control but i'm always like wrestling to you know have everything under like everything situated and everything going smoothly and i could get so caught up in that that i almost like lose sight of like oh i'm just tinkering with details while god was like orchestrating the mm -hmm. choir or something right it was just and then it's like a it's like a matter of fact after it's just kind of like, oh that was dumb i was trying to like you know like i don't know tune my instrument when god was already at work you know composing a really great piece or something like that and so you know i just wanted to see if there's like uh, an idea or your experience with peace that speaks to you um i think for me um how i can describe knowing god's peace is kind of like the you know in the second point of the message when um sam describes the three ways that that showed that god was in control mm -hmm. that he was truly the prince of peace one was intergalactic yeah. right that he controlled when the comet would show up on the very day that jesus was born yeah and that's hard because you know like both of my children were born not on the due date one was born a week early and one was born like three weeks earlier mm -hmm. so as a mother and as a human being like to know that he aligned that timing mm -hmm. is pretty reassuring yeah it's, right? it, it's no, pretty it's awesome i'm taking some physics right now there's just <laughs> very little chance that that just happens probability wise like there's a lot of forces mm. out there that can totally misdirect or influence the trajectory of, of of a comet but for it to come into orbit not even like hit the earth like to you, you know like just on a fundamental anyways but it's, yeah, it's just no, that's I, crazy it's it's wild is what yeah no i could see that because like i'm not really a scientific person in in terms of, like i'm not like mm. i don't geek out like my husband or like you <laughs> you you know some people really love the stars but i i'm sure understanding the physics behind it probably blows people's minds oh it's right absurd, yeah so i mean that's yeah but even just from a practical sense, right? Mm -hmm. I can't believe that all just happened. But I'll just go A to B and then go back to A to B. But mm -hmm. like A as in, yeah, that illustration. And B as in, I've seen God do that. Where things shouldn't line up, but it just does. Yeah. In mm -hmm. my life. Like, wow, how did that happen? Yeah. And I'm just wowed by how God orchestrated things in my life oh yeah absolutely and people's lives right mm -hmm. um to maybe even the timing of you shouldn't have been somewhere because you were supposed to be somewhere else but you show up somewhere and you see this very person you were thinking about mm -hmm. right yeah. that's pretty we don't live in a small town we live in new york city that's yeah. impossible but that yeah. happens to me all the time and i know that ha that is the story of many people mm -hmm. seekers and believers in our church it's like uh you know is this a coincidence or was this intentional yeah i think about that sometimes right yeah. it's serendipitous right? right it's only something that if it was not planned and someone was not stalking you it's something <laughs> that god has ordained and yeah. aligned right so i've seen that on a practical um you know 
level, right, of life. Second one, the prophecy that it was foretold that the star and the birth of the Savior was foretold. Yeah. Like, that's pretty crazy, too. That's also pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. That it was in the plan of God, and God's plan is being fulfilled, right? That's pretty wild yeah i mean you can't make that stuff up it's like <laughs> it's always what comes across my mind like there's your first example and even your second example it's there are just some things whether it's in the books like in history like thousands of years before the advent of christ like it was written like this was going to happen this way and it happens this way like oh like near like if i'm not wrong like nearly 600 prophecies or something like that fulfilled like of Christ. Yeah, by Christ. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And that I've seen that happen in my life as well, right? Where before certain things happen, and this is the word that I wanted to use, I guess, where, um, how I could describe Christ's peace in my life is through communication. Mm-hmm. In relationship, because there's a, com- there's a communication between God and myself, I can see when he has spoken something in my heart and comes to pass. Mm-hmm. Whether it's in prayer about something or someone or some situation and some or even and then third, the dream, right? How God even now, he it's not just in the in the intergalactic space, but and it's not just in history mm-hmm. foretold, but it's in the now of God giving Joseph and the Magi's dreams so that they wouldn't be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. That kind of guidance is something he's still doing now. Mm. So, so many times I've received dreams where in the moment I might not understand what it meant, but when it comes to pass, I will understand, oh my, wow, oh my God, God, you're you're genius. Like, mm. that's pretty amazing how you are, um, you knew that all along. Yeah. And you revealed pieces to me so that I would understand certain parts about that. Yeah. So that I would understand what you're doing. Mm. So even that kind of guidance in the present is communication. God mm. is communicating with us, right? So relationship, you know, everyone will say good communication makes a good relationship. Right. Right. Anyone in any real relationship that um, they're fighting for will know that communication is very important. Mm. So, yeah, communication also grows in relationships. So for me, seeing how God is so real mm-hmm. um, has increased my capacity to trust him mm. and to find his peace and to seek him. To find this peace um, and to find this perspective that brings peace and to know the person that brings perspective and peace. So it has been, I guess, a growing relationship of growing communication mm. of learning about that, learning about the person. Yeah. But ha- even having said that, though, it doesn't mean that I live in that understanding all the time. Right. Because I am encouraged when I hear in the message 
that God intergalactically aligned the stars and you at all along. Mm. I'm encouraged by that because in the moment I forgot. Yeah. Many times I had forgotten like that God is in control. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think the expectation is for us to forget but through reflection and through turning to God and practicing turning to Christ that we are able to remember. Mm-hmm. That's why I think the practice of turning to Christ and communicating to God is so important. Yeah. Um for lack of a better term, is that how you might describe worship in this in this sense? Because I know worship is like on a on a broad level the way in which we sacrifice our lives for God, right? Or how we want to glorify God with our lives and through our actions and through our uh, character and who we're becoming, right? And it seems like if forgetting and remembering is a process that you know brings us to the cross again or like brings us to worship again is that is that like how you would might describe this this what what you were just talking about regarding um you know the expectation to forget and then to remember can you can you wait what do you mean by that and worship um cuz you know cuz it seems like for me when because I forget that all the time, right? Like one of the notes that I wrote down during the sermon was like, you know, how often Israel in the Old Testament forgot. And like, it was just kind of like one of the, one of those things God was always saying like, Hey, remember, like, you know, I'm God, like, hello, like I've done things like I've, I've been here. Um, but it's like, it's, it's like almost, it's almost so human to keep forgetting and forgetting that God is in control and that God is there. And then it's like, for me, when I forget and then something God does in my life just, just speaks for itself and then I remember who God is is when worship seems like the greatest for me as mm-hmm. a response. You know, it's kind of like, oh, of course. Like, how could I... Not not even how could I forget, but I'm so stupid. Like, I, I forgot, right? It's just like, what, what was I thinking? You know, it's kind of like the foolishness I feel and then just like awe, like wow like there's no way i could have seen that coming or there's no way that i could have planned for this to happen you know it's just it puts into perspective who god is yeah and i think also when we're put into when we gain that perspective of god's of god's peace there's a gratefulness that comes to Uh to know that someone way stronger is Mm -hmm. in control right so yeah and that brings me to worship Mm -hmm. so yes it actually it brings me to awe Mm -hmm. Is that how you say it brings me to awe? <laughs> yeah, it brings, it yeah. instills awe. Brings, yeah, it yeah. really does though. Yeah. Like, I am not awed by someone's kindness per se, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're touched by it, right? But mm-hmm. I am personally, when God moves and I gain perspective about that and there's peace in my heart as a result, I... It's the only time I am in awe of some something. Yeah. Because like, like awe for me, it has to be wondrous. Like mm-hmm. it is beyond this, I don't know, terrestrial level, right? Mm-hmm. Of how we understand things. It is greater, transcends anything natural. Mm-hmm. And so you're just like jaw dropped, you know? You know, yeah. so yeah. And that brings me to worship. Mm. 
can we talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit in regards to worship because i think that was just kind of the key takeaway for me right is that this like how like how the magi were able to arrive at jesus's birth and you know worship him right like these are strangers if you really think about it right like these people that come across from a different nation just based off what was foretold in a book and they 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 sought out after and they found christ and their response was worship per se and i i like i'm not entirely sure if i can understand like what might have been going on through their heads there's just no way but i think it's such a significant component of that passage that the magi worshipped a baby right like it was just kind of like they they didn't i don't think like at the time people were fully grasping like the the significance of this right at the time but even still it like elicited worship out of people well i think again it goes back to when you know more it's a lot more clear yeah so for them they've been studying the stars they've Mm -hmm. been studying the history of how this thing is supposed to move or what yeah and so i think there was a clarity but also probably curiosity no yeah right because it's like you know like you see all these like uh, movies and especially when they were trying to launch the rocket into the moon you know there's so many movies about that and shows about that it's people are like oh let's give it a shot but there's still like you know an ounce of doubt not doubt but there's a possibility it might not go well yeah but with all the calculations they they go for it because it's been calculated right Mm -hmm. but i think in the same sense i i actually never really really thought about the perspective of the magi but i feel like the context now kind of helps us understand more because there's so much engagement about science and understanding of science and practicality of Mm -hmm. it but they probably could not not worship because there was a baby in a manger on this day yeah and after they followed the star to Mm -hmm. actually find it that they were probably very amazed yeah i could only imagine you know if you're just sitting there and like i'm I'm sure it must have been crazy to think that you were going to be one of the few people in that present moment to witness such a like such a momentous occasion or like you know like because there's so there's so many like there's a you know scientists celebrate when they discover something grand or they uncover a new theory or and such like that and like for them to have been thinking about this for so long and for it to like happen and to actualize and they follow this star and they trust that it'll lead them to what was written in text from thousands of years ago and to see that everything that they read was true or like it pointed to this that must have been like amazing like that must have been like really awesome for them yeah it's pretty amazing because if god had been guiding every single person in that you know in that place really because mm. god showed up to mary right and yeah. spoke before she became pregnant right with the lord right um god spoke to joseph yeah so there was an orchestration of god foretelling all these people for everything to come together mm. that must have been really amazing wow yeah right 
that does yeah wow that's that's <laughs> a lot of moving parts yeah. yeah that's so amazing that god put all that together right yes how can you not worship i mean like i guess it's <laughs> just kind of the thing it's almost like when you realize and i don't mean to to like belittle like humans but it's just like if you think about like the scale of how small we are and how much control we think we have compared to how big god is and like how much control he actually has which some like we sometimes we fail to see so like it's no wonder that it it just brings you to like awe right there's no better word to to describe it it's just like wow oh yeah. my god you know like what that's that's incredible like you know i didn't even think about all all the stuff surrounding even that like particular moment right like god speaking to joseph mary right then then a bunch of people in the desert in the east and then you know it's just yeah but not everyone was celebrating that day yeah clearly king herod was disturbed by all of it because he knew that you know, I watch a lot of um, shows and dramas about people trying to keep their power. Yeah. Uh, whether it's, you know, monarchy or, you know, mostly, you know, like there's cra- there's a crown and there's like all sorts of, right? But yeah. people, and there's so many, um, even the Korean history yeah. of how they try to keep the power. Mm-hmm. It's a It's a battle. So... King Herod was disturbed by the fact that there was another savior or a king being born. Yeah. That's a real fear he really had. He was paranoid because, yeah, but he knew that this was possible. The Magi uh, came and spoke to him, Mm -hmm. but he did not like it. So I think the response depends what you're really looking for, I guess. Sure, yeah. Yeah. But I was going to say that what God orchestrated, you know, in that, on that, at, on that, I don't know, birth moment, a birthday, right? Mm-hmm. First birth, uh, birth, birth celebration, whatever, is um, also what God is doing for all seekers. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of what he has done for all of us, yeah. right? To come to an understanding. And I love Advent because it brings us to focus of um, reflection on this. Mm-hmm. You know, it actually makes us pause and focus on the story because there's so much to the story. Then, yes, Jesus was born, and that's why it's Christmas. Well, why is it Christmas? Mm-hmm. What really happened? Um, and to study these different characters and how the story came together. Mm-hmm the miracle behind all of it. I mean, that's the, the whole study and reflection behind arrival and Advent season is, I think, what makes December so significant. Mm-hmm. And and I think for seekers and believers, it is when we really are able to see it, it becomes a true blessing to yeah. know that, wow, there is so much more than what we thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to come back to the fact that this is kind of how God has revealed himself to us. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just, um, 
you know, I did this so you should believe. But he literally orchestrates moving pieces and people and people's lives as people are seeking him. Yeah. And people find him through different, you know, pieces of individuals and circumstances. And it might not be a star, but it could be something else that yeah. speaks very personally to people. Yeah. That when people come to realize only God could have done that because he was paying attention to that person. Mm. Like there is, you know, revelation of who God is and how God does care. Right. That it is not just something that just happened. Yeah. Or, you know, different people that God will send for someone to come to realize after a certain point of pursuit, like God has seen me. Mm. He does care about me. It's something he's doing even now. Oh. And I love that too because the scripture doesn't tell us what should be. Because, right. you know, and I, I really appreciate the honesty of all the seekers because the seekers are seeking because they're actually really hungry and want to know. Mm-hmm. And the Advent season is also significant for seekers as well who may not be fully there in um, the co- believing all these moving pieces mean something for them. Mm-hmm. It's significant because they, I think it's a reflection. It's because it's kind of like a time for people to reflect, seekers to reflect on the moving pieces and to identify who who was behind all of that, mm. you know? So. Yeah. I'm really glad you mentioned that because I think what came across my mind is like, I feel it, it seems that what you're saying is true because it's it's almost like this christmas story and the story about christ is is personally significant and it has greater magnitude for people that are seeking and are believers because this is a story that god recreates in each of our lives on a personal scale right it's kind of like there is like a seed that is planted or there's a birth like a, or a rebirth and um that god is orchestrating and moving pieces in our lives so that we can come to him whether it's through people or some serendipitous moment right there's like so many stories of our seekers of how they had come to faith or they had come to seek out christ because of some something beyond themselves that has been drawing them to him and and it's almost like as if (coughs) as if they were traveling from the east or as if like god spoke to them in a dream or as if that you know for some reason they feel as if they are being drawn to god or drawn closer to god right it's like this this christmas narrative is like also our narrative in that sense is that what what was happening during that time when christ was born is also like it almost seems like it, it also happens in our lives, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, yeah, because it's not that God is recreating the event mm-hmm. 2,000 years ago because Christ came once and for all and died once and for all mm-hmm. and resurrected once and for all, but it is the character of God. Mm-hmm. What he would do because of his love for the world for humanity 
It's the character of God that is seen throughout history, and seen in our community yeah. of seekers and believers. Right. Which, if you think about it, that's pretty amazing because he's he's so patiently weaving stories, for, so that people can know mm-hmm. that I am the same God of yesterday, of the past, present, and future. Who is the same? You know. I am that same God who yeah. orchestrated that, put that together. Right. I also see you. Yeah. And we put our trust in that. I mean, yeah. uh, it just seems smart too, right? Yeah. And I think that revelation of that is really what um, makes a believer and a follower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, I couldn't really agree more. I mean, I think... It's, that's that's what God is, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's just He's always been faithful. He's always He's never failed. He's never failed me that I know of, right? And I don't like it's it's just kind of going to show over the tests of time or in our lives that you know God that we place our faith and our lives in the hands that don't drop us, right? Like that's the way that Doctor Sammy phrased it, and you know. Like, just kind of going back to your analogy with friendships and, like, trustworthy friends. It's like, you would want to be friends with that person. And, you know, God, in that sense, is our as our father, it's like the he has unfailing hands. And that's why we can ultimately find peace in that. Like, that, like those don't change. And it's like, I, I like that Dr. Sammy talked about in such a way where it's available. Because, you know, sometimes I think it's like, you know, we've we've talked about and established that peace of mind or just peace in general is just hard to come by it's, it's very elusive it's fickle it's frail like it, it just happens for an instant sometimes and it just goes away or you know there's always just something that might trouble us or disturb our peace but it's you know when we can see peace as being accessible through this person it's like we know that person has been there will always be there and is there for us now in our lives right it just doesn't change whereas everything else always changes yeah and there's a sense i think peace is trusting in his plans mm-hmm. yeah there is an aspect of perspective about the future because why do we fear the our present moment right or circumstance is because we're not really certain about the future mm-hmm. and it's not that Everything will work out the way that we want or everything will clear up the way we want, mm. but that God will be present through it all mm-hmm. and that He his plans are good and his ultimate plans for the world and for us will never be sorted by anything. He will prevail. Mm. Another P, prevail. He will prevail. So I think... Um, Peace protects our mind and our hearts in Christ Jesus because there's a knowing of who is in control, not just in the moment, but who is able to carry us through mm-hmm. in the future. So it opens up the clouds to let us know that we're held in good hands, mm-hmm. you know? Um. And, you know, 
this is just something I wanted to talk about because Dr. Sammy brought it up, and it's, it's definitely a prevalent issue regarding what's going on in our country right now. And I think, like, it's really important for us to know that God is there and he is the one we look to for peace. And, you know, it's, it just kind of seems like with the mass shootings in our country and just kind of the travesty and tragedy of the, these times that we're living in now, it's, it's almost like we it's almost hard to have hope that there will be peace or that we can look to peace um, during these times. And, you know, as, as we're trying to in, in this season of Advent and, and just in our lives in general, like really um, come to know what peace is and represent that through Christ um, with others. Is, is there, is there anything that, you know, you can, you can, you can lead, like, share with us in regards to that about um your thoughts or what you might think you know is on god's heart about it the world has always been out of control Hmm. um so it's really what form of bad news we're focusing on Mm -hmm. um i think there was a shooting in new york i think it didn't really make the news because there were so many other shootings that happened in the last week in the Mm. last two weeks so a lot of people didn't know about that, I guess, unless... I mean, I didn't even know about that. Yeah. Either. It was in New York City. Um, but, you know, there's bad news of all kinds. But... This might sound very daring, but there's... In the Psalms, the psalmist says this, that those who trust in the Lord will not frown or fret in hearing bad news mm-hmm. and that the Lord is the sustainer of the heart. I firmly believe in that because, you know, it's really about what form of bad news. It could be about sh- a shooting where it's affecting um, people that are presently there and the people that are afraid that it might happen to them and not being in control of where the shooting could happen next um to it could be bad news about someone who is not well mm-hmm. or death of a friend um there's constant um news of celebrities dying like of sickness mental illness suicide so i think i think that you know, media brings focus to certain things, but in reality, the world has always been this way. Yeah. So, but again, at the same time, it is, God has also, in the midst of, you know, U.S., there's no, I mean, there's gun violence, but there's, necessarily no war per se Mm. god has brought peace to those who are in the midst of war um persecution fear of death um sickness of you know all kinds of tragedy he is able to meet people in dire moments 
um, no matter what the size of tragedy or hardship may be. Mm. So again, I think it reminds us that peace, world peace is elusive. Right. But God, through Christ, is available. So therefore, His peace, no matter how bad the news may be, mm-hmm. is available to us. Mm-hmm. And I would even say, um, even you know, scripturally, that those in most dire situations, believers in most dire situations, have known this peace more than others who are not, because they were in such. Um, horrific circumstances. Hmm. So, I don't think it's defined by circumstance right. or lack of tragedy. But I mean, although it brings it out, mm-hmm, yeah. But so. God's peace is available to all who seek Him. Right. Yeah. Does that answer your question? It does. Because. Um, <coughs> I think it's pretty common in my experience and like with just people in general. There's always something to be bothered by or like to be disturbed by or to wrestle with in terms of, you know, how how it might be troubling somebody. And so, you know, there's not there's often reassuring things that people try to say like things are going to be fine or things are going to work out. But sometimes it could feel really baseless, or it doesn't. It's not. It's not like substantial or substant or substantiated in anything, right? It's not grounded by um, real hope or like the person of hope or the person of peace. It's really just kind of like a fleeting. Like maybe things will work out, hopefully. Um, but it reassures me, and you know, I'm sure it reassures a lot of listeners and people that hear those words that we can really trust and hope for peace and, you know, reassurance in our own lives. And it's it's amazing to me that when I see somebody that is so reassured and has peace and has joy and has these, and then they have these fruits of the Spirit in their lives and they, and I could see it, is what, is what makes me have hope too. Like it, it brings it, brings it out of me. And I think that is, just the hope of Christ and that is like the love of Jesus and you know the peace the prince of peace that is just reflected in one who really knows Christ in that in that way and I I really you know we we say the church is the the local church is the hope of the world and I could see why you know like there's like very it was it has it it has become my hope and it has it has become something I've like, I, I want to like build my life on. And, you know, I, I know that it's available for others too. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about this Advent and who Jesus is, in the, it, not just then, but even in our present day. Yeah. And I think representing that peace to the world is really important. Yeah. You know, I think of, I don't know if you recently saw Mr. Rogers, I'm planning movie. on it. Planning yeah. on it? Mm-hmm. So good. Because um, it's a story about how Mr. Rogers uh, impacted someone 
who didn't have much peace. And, you know, Mr. Rogers was actually a minister. He was an evangelist to um, uh, to children through media. Mm-hmm. And you see how he represented the fruit of the Spirit, like who Christ was, though not unable to mention explicitly, he really represented God so well. Yeah. And he taught children um, that there's more than just the anxiety in the present or mm-hmm. that there was or um that there's more to the ten more than the tension you feel. He gave them tools. Um and I think I I bring it up because I think as a church we can do that as a community for one another. Right. Um we can pray for one another. We can share how God has been good and offered peace in crazy circumstances mm-hmm. to very disturbing circumstances, right? And um, we can be there for one another. Mm. And it becomes the very representation of God's hope. Mm. Um, because I think representation is so important, you know? How do we know what to model after if we don't see it? Yeah. So I think as we model for one another how who Christ is and his peace and fill the gaps of, you know, I love how I would actually recommend, actually our church is going through um, Jesus Calling mm-hmm. um, for by Sarah Young for Advent season. And some of it are ex- excerpts from um, the... Devotional? Yeah, the yearly devotional. But she talks about it in this way. Like, there are fragmented parts of us where it's literally like compartmentalized. Some parts of us, we, some parts of us, we trust and have peace. Some parts of us don't because and there's all these gaps, you know? Mm-hmm. She calls them fragmented. And that as we practice turning to the Lord in those places and making Him the very focal point and not all the things we're worrying about, it bridges the fragmented parts of us that we're not able to trust and have peace before. Mm. So, yeah, and someone like her as an author that represents that peace and to practice that peace. But I think as a community, as we're reading together, as we meet together, that's what we do. We really, at the end of the day, Assure one another because God is good. Mm. When we meet together, we reassure one another and remind one another that God is alive and God is at work mm-hmm. and encourage one another. And that brings peace. So, you know, there's many applications of peace. It's not just one way of practicing turning to God. There's so many different ways that we can turn to God Mm. to find this peace. So, yeah. But, you know, just like reflection is, you know, it's, it's really nice thought, 
but it could just become a nice passing thought. It has to be practiced, right? In the same way we have to practice turning to God and finding this peace because it's accessible. He is so near, but I think that our anxiety usually keeps um, us apart. So my whole thing would be let's practice it like turn to god in your uncertainty turn to Mm. god in moments of fear turn to god when you hear bad news um he will come through with his peace and cover your heart and mind in christ jesus and i think that's important to reiterate in especially in these times and in the Advent season, because he is the Prince of Peace. Hmm. He is the true King. He is the King of Kings. And he will bring peace that this world cannot give us. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love this, so I could go on and yeah. on. But I mean, feel free. I, I don't no, I think, yeah, but I, that's just my last thing. Hmm. We have to practice to know, I think. Right. And become witness of that peace. Mm. It is ongoing. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes. uh, Okay. So, as we conclude, I want to encourage you to stick around to listen and pray together um, along with the ministry time. Um, it was a powerful time for us as we prayed together. And so, yes, it'll be at the end segment of this <laughs> podcast. Yeah, like right here. Yeah, right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Pastor Lydia. Thanks, Joe. And we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye. What was the response of the Magi? Is worship. Worship is what we really put our hope in. That's our idol. I think we, in the last decade, we've seen behind behind every power. Every government, every ideology, every market, there's a flaw. And our hope can't be put on human things. And that's the Advent season. It's a reminder why all of Scripture pointed to the coming of Jesus Christ. And why after 2,000 years we long for His return. Every time we worship, every time we surrender, we're saying, God, You are the one in control. You are the one in the throne. I'm not doing a very good job leading my own life. God, lead my life again. a great reminder of why we need Jesus and why Jesus came.
So we just pray right now to the Lord. Will you surrender your control over to God today? Say, God, I'm sorry from being dumb again. Thinking I can do it again. Thinking I can trust myself and other things, worldly things, to do a job that was only built for you. Hands that are never changing, steadfast, resolute, immutable. Today, folks, as we close, I mean, I'm pretty strong. I could carry you probably for, you know, half a block. And I'll probably drop you. And that's every world leader, every leader, every ideology. Eventually, the penny will drop. If you're going to put your life into anyone's hands, put it in hands that will never, ever fail. Hands that will never change that will never grow weary. And it's the hand of God. That's the incarnation. That's why he came. To show us the way. To carry our burdens that we can't carry. Will you bear our heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Hey everyone, we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today. We want to invite you to join us for our Sunday service. We meet at the AMC Lowe's Theater at 19th and Broadway in Manhattan at 12 noon, and we'd love to see you guys there. We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at 5397-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv.